I, I, I hope not. Uh, I did bring my certificate of completion from Treveca, stating that I have completed all the courses necessary to be an elder in the Church of the Nazarene. Although, I don't know why I kept this either. And uh, I even brought my local license. <laughs> now, pay no attention to the 2010 that's on here and the fact that I never renewed it. Uh, but there they are. And uh, I've kept them as, of course, reminders of things in my life. Um, slightly more relevant, you know, I did go back to school, went to Lipscomb, got my master's in accounting, which is actually on my real resume. And I do have my CPA license, which is so important, it's still in the envelope that it came in. So, because as it turns out, if you're in my profession, you either have a CPA or after a couple years, you do a different job. So no one really cares about having that. But I think that in our passage today, though we'll find it's a little bit in reverse, I think we find a man who was trying to build a resume. So I'm actually going to ask you to stand with me today as we read our gospel passage, if you are able and if you are willing. It's not a requirement. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed, or in the NIV it says amazed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the nope, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded, or again, greatly amazed at this, and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Amen. You may be seated. We come to this rich man, and uh, I have, you know, I've read this text 20 to 25 times over the last couple weeks, and it's really amazing because, you know, I did what anyone who, who completed their, their work at Treveca does. I looked into the Greek, and there's no words in here that are special or tricky or meant to be different. 
Good just means good the way we think it would. Good teacher, good job, good cheesecake, whatever. When Jesus says he loved him, it's the love we expect. It is agape. It's the way that God loves us. It's the way we're called to love each other. It is agape love, which is what you'd expect. And I even was intrigued. I had to look it up. When Jesus addresses the disciples the second time and he says, children. It's not derogatory. It's not little children, but it's not, you know, grown adults either. It's children, the way we would think of a normal noun for that. And this rich man comes to him. And right off the bat, I was intrigued because, because we know in the story this rich man's going to tell us about how good he is. But he still doesn't feel that he has inherited eternal life. How can this man, with such a good resume, still feel that he's lacking? It seems odd. So he comes to Jesus with his resume. It's a pretty good one. It is the Ten Commandments, as we know. And I will admit, stealing a little bit from one of my, uh, (laughs) I'm forgetting the word now, the commentary, It is interesting that Jesus asked this rich man not about the first couple of commandments, but about the others. The commandments that deal with being in community. Do not steal, do not murder, do not covet. And I like that, I like that both versions use the word defraud. That's a really good way to talk about giving false testimony or something like that. And this rich man had said he kept all of these and he said he kept them from his youth. And so for me, I've chosen to make an assumption about this text that if you disagree with, might change how you read it, and that's okay. But it seems to me that this rich man, this man of many possessions, probably was rich when he was young. Because I think that if we're honest with ourselves, there's a privilege of richness that makes some of those commandments easier. A rich man's going to have less to covet than you or I do. He probably is going to have less reason to murder, at least less. I'm not saying it makes them a walk in the park. There are reasons to steal that are about more than money, having been a thief myself who didn't do it for the money. Just being honest with you. But I still think there's a privilege that made it easier to keep those. And I don't think this passage is about eating the rich, though maybe we should. I don't think this passage is actually about money being a bad thing. I think it was a problem for this man, but I don't think that's the point of the passage. And this man had been good in his community. It doesn't seem like he's a person who had gained his wealth by some sort of evil means. Because if he had, then he probably stole from somebody. He probably defrauded somebody. Now he could have lied, sure, but Let's assume he was telling the truth. Let's assume he was being honest. And yet, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What am I still missing, Jesus? What am I still missing, good teacher? And Jesus does something that I can't think of happening anywhere else. I honestly can't. (laughs) Jesus looks at him and loved him. Now, of course, we know Jesus loves us all. And of course, anyone Jesus looks at, he's going to love. But this passage makes a point to say it. It makes me think of when Jesus would walk by a beggar or the lame, and he would have compassion on them. But that's not what happens in this passage. In this passage, Jesus loves him. 
And because Jesus loves him, hopefully all you married people in here are listening now, because Jesus loves him, he challenges him. And we know that with our spouses, with our boyfriends, with our girlfriends, that when you love someone, sometimes you have to challenge them a little bit. Sometimes it's the put the toilet seat down 10-day challenge. Sometimes it's the put your dishes in the sink challenge. But there's a certain amount of challenge that's involved when we really love someone. And I certainly, uh, I've lived with a very good friend, but the agreement we made was essentially that we were not going to challenge each other. And it turns out that didn't work very well because when we removed that aspect of our relationship, there wasn't actually a very strong relationship of love that remained. And eventually the relationship did fall apart, as you would expect. So this rich man doesn't come to Jesus with what he's done. He doesn't bring him a resume of the things he's done. He brings him a resume of the things we would say he hasn't done. Now, in the positive, we could say he's kept the commandments, but in the negative, we could say he has not committed these sins. He's not done them. The rich man knew he hadn't done those sins. The rich man felt pretty good about himself. But when he was challenged, he fell away. When he was challenged, it turns out that he wasn't as strong as he thought he was. And it's easy for us to come to church. Sometimes it's easy for us to read our Bibles. It can be easy for us to give somebody money, especially on a Sunday, when we're thinking about it. But if you're never actually being challenged, I worry about your love. I worry about it. And so again, I don't think this passage is Jesus saying, you and everyone in this room needs to sell everything we have and give it to the poor. It'd probably be good for us if we did. I don't think that would actually be bad. But I don't think that's the point. I think it's about Jesus challenging him. And the great thing about this challenge, kind of picking up from last week, even though Caleb Johnson is not here, is that it's a message of hope. This is not a challenge of defeating you. It's not a challenge of beating you down, a challenge that is impossible for you to do. I'm sure you've heard pastors talk about the camel and the eye of the needle, and some people think it's literal, and some people think it's this gate in Jerusalem, and some people bring in a needle to show you how difficult it would be. How are you going to put a camel through there? But, I, you know, it's, it's allegory. It's metaphor. But I do think that there's hope here. And even this passage ends with Jesus saying that whatever you give up, you will receive back a hundredfold. And you'll receive it now. And not only that, but you'll receive the very eternal life that this rich man was looking for, was asking for. And so my challenge to you today, I know that I really shortened this because I was worried about time and now that's too short, but that's okay. That's how it goes, right? Got to get my sea legs back. Haven't been up here in quite a while. My challenge for you today, whether you are single, whether you are married, whatever situation you find yourself in, is to take some time alone to remember that you are also a person on your own and to ask yourself and to ask God, how do you want to challenge me? 
Some of us have already written a book and are ahead of the curve, but others of us have some work to do. And again, what I really want to make sure I leave you with today is that, that feeling of hope. <laughs> I had joked with David that now that we've ended the five weeks of creation, I'm ready for the five weeks of destruction. But, <laughs> but then hearing Caleb Johnson last week totally changed my mind. And I think that it's a message of hope that we push forward in that you are going to be challenged. And to remember that when God challenges you, it is because he loves you. And I think that that's something that probably everyone in this room knows, but a reminder never hurts. So I think that's where I'm going to call it for today.